0: Hi, this is Nick with Rooted in Revelation. Uh, I don't remember what Nate says. I think where we make to where we seek to make God's Word the source and something or other. Anyway, um, our main mission here with the podcast and everything essentially is to glorify God through the edification of the saints and the advance and defense of the gospel. Um, I guess everybody has their own introduction that they uh, they start with. Uh, I'm very very glad to have on the show today. Joe Sloviacek. I, I still remember how to say it, right? Correct, that's Joe? Cor- that's correct. Awesome. Um, Nate is not with us today. Dallas is not with us. It's just a standalone, uh, myself and Joe. A uh, little background. Uh, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple years and I was fortunate enough to, to get to know Joe as my elder in my church. And uh, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk to Joe specifically about a few topics that he is uniquely qualified to uh, to discuss. Uh, based on who he is, uh, my experiences with him and and uh, I think he has a lot of wisdom to de- impart to us. Uh, but before we get there, Joe, why don't you um, just tell us a little bit about your salvation testimony, what God did in your life, um, as well as what you're up to now?
1: Sure. Well, uh, back many years ago, 1988, actually, was the day that that I came uh, to the Lord and was converted. Uh, Prior to that, I I was married uh, late in life. I was uh, 29. I got married in 1981, and uh, my wife and I, uh, both from the Brooklyn, New York area, I guess you can tell by my accent that I I'm a southerner, you know, uh, South Brooklyn. And, um, and as um, we had a child and and we were in New York and and my wife, Margie said, uh, you know, let's, let's try to go South Um, warmer weather and out of the city to raise, uh, raise our son and, uh, and any additional children that we might have. So um, at the time I was working in the secular workplace and uh, uh, had the company transfer us down to uh, Tampa, Florida. Um, and it was there in Florida the, that I uh, bought my first house. And uh, um, and then uh, Margie uh, got some information on a, on a church that uh, Christian Missionary Alliance Church, actually. And when we moved from Clearwater over into the Tampa area and, and bought that house, uh, Margie went up north to uh, be with her family for a while. And I was home and got a visit from some uh, uh, pastor from a Christian Missionary Alliance church locally there. And uh, at the time I was uh, quite against uh, uh, religion and Christianity and all those kinds of things and uh, told him that, uh, you know, once the wife came back, he'd have to talk to her and I wasn't the guy to talk to. Um, and we started going to that small church. And then uh, uh, one October uh, Sunday, they had a special service where they had a young uh, um woman and her daughter um and they would they would sing it was a concert type of thing and then of course they did testimonies and and um presented the gospel during it and while we were at that service in fact uh, um I'm not realizing uh, both of us uh, went forward uh, to an altar call. um and uh, that's when the lord brought me wow. uh, uh, on my knees and, and dragged me up there and I realized that I was a sinner and I realized that I needed uh, salvation and I needed rescuing from him and uh, um, and it was uh, at the same time when when I went up uh, she apparently went up either simultaneously or shortly thereafter and uh, and we didn't even realize that we were both up there until afterwards um, when the uh, pastor of course spoke to us and and uh, um, and we explained um, that we understood our need and then we were looking for uh, for the Lord to uh, to rescue us. So um, which is unusual, because, of course, I'm a um, reformed now and uh, and don't believe in altar calls. And right, uh, yet right. that's yet that's what the Lord used to uh, to bring me to himself. Um, and, uh, and so that's my, my testimony as far as uh, becoming a Christian. We then stayed in that church for a while. Um, I read the scriptures and uh, a friend of mine said, just keep reading the scriptures. And so I did. And then we found differences between uh, what we were hearing from the pulpit and the Sunday school classes and, and, and what I was reading. And when I attempted to discuss that with the uh, pastor, Um, They basically said, uh, well, you know, my way or the byway. So we split our ways. And that's how we then found uh, Reformed churches and and began our trek through uh, quite a number of Reformed churches. We started with Presbyterians, uh, but uh, I was not convinced on uh, infant baptism and eventually became a uh, Reformed Baptist Uh, Currently, uh, and of course, I was still working all that time in in the secular workplace in the insurance industry, Uh, I have just recently retired from the insurance business in March of, of this year. Um, and along with that retirement, I'm, I'm working a little part-time um, on the uh, uh, telephones, doing some customer service uh, through my computer just to, to stay occupied, make a couple extra bucks. But uh, but basically, I'm retired now. Uh, back in, in in the 90s, um, I began uh, Truth Reform Ministries, which has uh, grown to Truth Reform Ministries International. I'm the president of it, and uh, we have a small board of directors, and we help uh pastors in, uh, uh, well, specifically in, in Cameroon, I have one gentleman there, and then we have another guy in Chad, and another one in Myanmar, uh, and then uh, a couple that we uh, help support in Brazil, and uh, we make uh, uh, courses available to them, and we pray for them, of course, and we try to help financially, and, and, and those kinds of things, um, and then uh, we, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I am now, uh back in nineteen ninety eight uh with work. Um and uh, when we came up here we bounced around to several Presbyterian churches before we found a Reformed Baptist church, which is uh, where I now uh pastor as uh, uh an unpaid lay elder. Um and I've been uh pastor there since 2012. Um and then I got my uh, my master's degree back way back in 2003, but I, I, I did get a doctorate uh, from Trinity uh, Evangelical Christian University in 2015. So now uh, with retirement, I'm, uh, I'm focusing on, uh, I'm a pastor of education at Living Faith and, uh, and I'm trying to do more with uh, Truth Reform Ministries. And uh, and then, as I said, working part-time. All my children are grown. Uh, The last one, uh, Julia is still at home, just graduated college. Uh, My middle daughter, Jenna, is uh, married, just married uh, last July. She'll be married one year, uh, July the 3rd. Uh, She's a missionary, was in Azerbaijan. um, And now uh, uh, her and her husband, who was in Papua New Guinea, Tim, uh, Tim Reed, Um, they are going to uh, go to uh, Brazil and they're going to be uh, missionaries in Brazil. He's a pilot and she's a teacher. And then my eldest son, uh, Joseph III, is uh, up on the north end of town and he um, has a a wonderful wife, Lakeisha, and uh, they've given us two grandchildren, uh, Mackenzie and uh, Joseph IV, and they were twins and they're uh, currently, let's see, they're going to be four so that's uh, that's what's happening with me, uh, pastoring at the church, trying to do things for uh, the ministry, and uh, and being a, a husband, dad, and uh, grandpa.
0: Well, Joe, that's really awesome. And uh, even I, who have known you for, I don't know what, four years, five years, whatever it's been, I uh, I didn't. I'm sure we've talked about this, but for whatever reason. I, I didn't really know much about the Truth Reform Ministries. Um, I know I've heard your testimony. I know we've talked about these things, but uh, had no idea that you started up a, a ministry. I also didn't know that you had your doctorate. So I'm probably just a bad listener. That's, I'm sure what that is, but uh, no, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, so Truth Reform Ministries, tell me, um, I'm curious now, what, uh, what prompted you to start up a ministry? I feel like that's a pretty significant undertaking.
1: Well, it was actually back in Florida when I was in Florida, Um, and uh, back in the '90s, it was uh, actually I started it in 1991. And what it was was at my church. I I became an elder at the Presbyterian Church, uh, Village Presbyterian, in uh, in uh, Carrollwood, in uh, in the suburb of uh, of Tampa, Florida. And um, and what I did was I started a Bible Institute at the church. In other words, uh, you know, as part of the education. Um, at the church, we um, I started a Bible Institute, and when I started that Bible Institute and I had courses and I taught the courses and uh, and uh, you know the, the people from the church actually were the ones that came to it, but there were several people that said, well, gee, we can't make it this night or we can't make it that night. Is there a way of doing it? You know, other ways. And and at that time, and it wasn't you know the internet wasn't full blown yet. Uh, but I dabbled a little bit with the Internet, a little bit with mail, mail courses and things of that nature. Um, and it it grew and it, and, and it grew a little bit. And uh, um, I got involved with uh, with a guy in India for a little while. And then when I moved up to uh, to Charlotte in 1998 is when I really got into the computer thing and it, it, it started to expand. Um, and so I was able to to hook up with this uh, gentleman uh, Javier uh, Yellam in uh, Cameroon. And in fact, I went to Cameroon uh, just, uh, let's see, it was 2019 uh, for a conference. I gave a conference there. Um, And, uh, and uh, that, that particular thing is how the ministry has grown through the internet now. So where it started with a Bible Institute in the, in the church, um, you know, for the church members, it became something that reached out into, into the world by way of the internet. Um, and so, like I said, I've got a, a guy that I, uh, um, that's translated some of my courses uh, in Myanmar. And then we have a guy in Chad, and we've got several branches in Cameroon itself, which um, Jean-Vierre is, uh, is the, uh, the guy that's really the catalyst for all that there. Um, and so yeah it just it, it, you know the lord took it and did what he wanted to do with it and uh, um, and so I've been blessed uh, to uh, to be able to uh, to help pastors uh, in, in some of these areas um, get the the, the the information that they need of the truth of the gospel and and sound reform doctrine uh, which they did not have when I, when I went to Cameroon in, in 2019. The one thing that they said to me was that they had never heard teaching like that and and what right. they meant of course was that for the reformed perspective um and so um in fact i'm still working on a on a book of those of those talks because i preach and talk through uh, uh notes you know bullet points i don't i don't have manuscript but i've been working on that for over a year now almost two years that I've been working on that, trying to put all that together because I've got about 1500 pastors in Cameroon that are interested in, in getting those teachings written down. So I'm trying to do that. Um, but you can, if you more information on, on the ministry, you just go to truthreformministries.org and you can read about it all there.
0: Well, Joe, that's really awesome. Um, I had really no idea. Like I said, I've this is really the first time i'm understanding a lot of this about truth reform ministries so uh you know for anybody listening please pray for that ministry i, I mean
1: thank like you joe i would just, appreciate that
0: yeah 1500 mm-hmm. pastors are interested in you know the the reformed uh, notes and sermons and teachings of of joe and i personally know joe i know you guys I think most of the people that listen are in my local church, but uh, we've gone a little bit farther than that. So anybody that doesn't know me, you know, maybe my words are not a ton for you, but um, I know Joe, I've watched him live. I, I've sat under his teaching. Um, you know, I've, I've, I would say led underneath you to a degree. I think I taught Sunday school with you, uh, you know, once or twice as well. So it, you know, Joe a really great guy. I have no doubt that Truth, Ref- Truth Reform Ministries is a wonderful opportunity uh, for those pastors and, um, you know, just pray for, pray that, uh, Joe would be able to do that work and and glorify God and that the gospel, uh, and specifically sound theology and doctrine, uh, you know, as well would go, would go forth, uh, you know, to those pastors. So that's, that's really great. Absolutely. Um, and, and I didn't really, I thought we might talk about education a little bit because, um, you were one of the people that, uh, you didn't introduce me, but you were like the only person I've ever met who knew about TNARS, which is now, uh, the log college and seminary. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I'm a student at that, at that, uh, college, I'm not going for a seminary degree yet, but, um, I'm just, uh, working through my first course load and, uh, Joe, you were a, you were a mentor for a while with, uh, with TNARS, correct? That is
1: correct. Yeah. Um, back, well, I don't know, I, I guess I stopped about two or three years ago, uh, but I did it for, I guess it was about 10 years where I, um, mentored students, um, at the seminary. Um, and the seminary is, it, it's a private, uh, online, but it's, it's nonprofit, um, distant education. It's reformed in its, in its doctrine, um, and it's completely free. Um, There is absolutely no cost, and what they do is uh, is they have the materials. uh, Most of the materials that they utilize are online that you can you can get them, so you don't have to purchase uh, you know books or or things of that nature. Um, And then they have courses uh, to work towards uh, different uh, degrees. And uh, what they do is they use pastors um, and uh, and other uh, uh, qualified teachers uh, to mentor. Uh, the students that take the courses. And so um, I had quite a few guys that, uh, that I mentored over the years. I, um, n- not all of them saw the way through to the end. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult that the most of the people that, uh, that utilize TNRs are, 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 you know, already working or, or adults who are beyond school age and, and are going back. Uh, you know, to get a, a strong, uh, reformed uh, Christian education, um, and so it's it's difficult, and a lot of times they don't complete the work. Uh, but I did have several. Uh, let's say I think it was about three or four uh, out of maybe a dozen that I mentored over the years uh, that actually completed and got their degrees. And uh, um, and in fact, uh, um, Jean vierre in Cameroon is is one that uh, that got his uh, degree from TNRs. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, so it's, it, it, it was a blessing and, and it worked, you know, hand in hand with, uh, with my ministry. And, uh, and so I, you know, I enjoyed doing it, um, and helping guys, uh, you know, more than just uh, looking over their coursework and, and giving them suggestions, but also having the opportunity to, to get to know them and their ministries and, and, you know, give advice when, when appropriate and, uh, and pray for them throughout the time and, uh, and so, yeah, uh, uh, it was a it was a blessing for me to do it for those times. But it got to a point where um, it was too much. I had to make some decisions with uh, uh, with some of the other things that I was doing, you know, between uh, work and family and church and ministry. And and so uh, I did uh, uh, get out of that a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, they've gone now from being a North American. Uh, reformed seminary, seminary to the law college and seminary, and uh, and they still have the same standards, as well as uh, uh, being reformed in their teachings, and uh, and they're still completely free.
0: Yeah, for anybody unfamiliar, um, a little bit of information that may be uh, helpful contextually. Um, my pastors in my local church uh, up here in New York looked at the curriculum. My one pastor is my mentor. So it's a really wonderful opportunity for anybody like me who just doesn't have the money or the time to go to college. I have four small kids. I'm married. I work, you know, between 50 to 55 hours a week. I serve in my church, um, you know, I, and I make time, you know, for the important things in life that, that God's called me to. And it's just like, you know, how do I how do I go into debt, take a bunch of time I don't have and invest, you know, that into school and, it, so TNARS is wonderful because it's free. I can work very slowly through my, or I'm sorry, the Law College and Seminary is free. Uh, I can work slowly through everything and it's a great opportunity. And, and also if you look at the course programs and you're familiar with like a standard Bible degree, uh, the programs are quite rigorous. I, I mean, I think my pastors looked at it and they were like, this is closer to like a bachelor's level type of a type of a program than like an associate's because I'm, I'm just getting my associates of theology right now. Um, and, and it's because they have very high rigorous academic standards because, I mean, I don't know if you hear free seminary, you're just like, come on now. Like that's right. not real. So they, I, you know, when you look at the course it's like, oh, okay. Like they're, they're putting out content, but like you said, Joe, like it's free. You're not investing resources, like money resources into it. And, um, that's why it makes sense. Only three or four out of 12 people actually completed. It. Like it's, it's a struggle for me you know, to keep doing it, uh, you know, week by week, month by month. I love it. But just finding the time, you know, among the other things I'm reading and studying and, you know, family worship and all these things it
1: you know, it can be difficult.
0: But um, yeah,
1: it's, it's one of the it's one of the things you give up because you're not paying for it. So it's not costing you anything other than than your time and your dedication to the lord but uh you know if it was costing money you'd be more apt to complete it i think and that's uh, um you know that's unfortunate but that's just the way it is it's you know uh like you say when you're doing all these other things sometimes you just don't um have the the time or the uh, um or sometimes the strength to do something extra or to do something additional, and uh, and so obviously if you uh, you can't stop working and you can't stop you know other things, and and since this doesn't cost, sometimes uh, people don't don't see it through to a completion. Um, but even the ones that didn't complete it, um, many of them I still you know get an email from now and then, and uh, you know those that uh, that I uh, uh, mentored and. Uh, um, and so, you know, I'm always praying for them. And, uh, and it's just it, it, it's a great way. Um, if you are working, and if you are, you know, looking to uh, expand your, uh, your knowledge base, um, it, it, it's a great way to do it. But, but yeah, the courses aren't easy. It's not it's not something you do just, you know, on a lock, it has to be, um, you know, something that you truly desire.
0: And Joe, I did actually uh, speak with the president and he will be coming on later this month. So I'll get to do an interview with him and and get the word out for uh, the Law College and Seminary because like you said, it's a great opportunity. If there are any listeners here who, you know, even just want guided discipleship, really this program doesn't have to be more than guided discipleship, in my opinion. Like if you just went to your pastor who had the appropriate credentials and said, hey, you know, look at look at the curriculum and just say, hey, this just looks like I could be learning the basic Christian truths, at least for the associates of theology degree. And, and, you know, you could work on, you know, growing in your faith with your local pastor who, if they have a bachelor's degree um, for that associates for you to get, uh, you could work through that with your pastor, you know, over the course of a couple of years and end up with a degree if you wanted to. Uh So it's a wonderful opportunity. You know, like I said, I don't even think of it so much as education as I do just, the natural discipleship that's happening in my life, you know, under the oversight of my pastor. So it's, it's a wonderful, right. wonderful thing. Um, it is, you know, that being said, it is a reform seminary. You have to hold to the uh, London Baptist confession of faith or the Westminster confession uh, as does your mentor, I believe. So just some considerations, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, talk about TNR's or the log the whole time here, Joe. Um, I, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, uh, really two main things is that, uh, first I want to talk about hospitality because, um, for those of you that don't know me, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina before my family, because my wife was great with child. We'll use biblical language for that. And, um, (laughs) she was great with child. I had, uh, gotten a job in Charlotte. I switched employers. I'm also in insurance, you know, uh, that big trope, uh, pastor preacher boy goes into insurance anyway um so i i moved down to north carolina and i knew that one of the most important things was finding a good local church so i did some research before i went down there and i I had spoken with uh the the primary pastor uh teaching preaching pastor there steve mcclung um and we spoke for i think a couple hours just about theology and about the church And, um, I knew for a fact before I even got there, uh, that, that living faith was the church I would be attending. Um, it was just, it's a wonderful body. I can't say enough good things about it. I, I just a wonderful experience. And I still talk to, uh, you know, Mark, Simeon and Jonathan pretty much daily, uh, from that church. And, um, you know, I, I lament leaving Charlotte because of how much I love the body there. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful church. Um, but one of the things that was hard for me was my my wife was still in New York, and um, I didn't uh, I didn't have family. I was living all by myself in, a, in an apartment, uh, just working. And uh, you know, there it, it can be hard to get connected sometimes. Um, but one of the things I appreciated about about you, Joe, was that you know I think it was like every Sunday after church, and and even during the weekdays, you know, sometimes as well. I think consistently, actually was uh, you and Margie and, um, and Julia would uh, have me over all the time. Like, when I think back to that, that initial period in Charlotte, uh, I, really two things come to mind. When I uh, drove into the ditch in front of the Finks, uh, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and Alex helped me get out. Uh, and then really just spending that time with you and your family. And, um, I, you know, I don't get the impression that anybody came to you and was like, Hey, here's this guy, you know, go do, you know, go be hospitable. But, you know, I just found like we, you know, all our family is up here and it wasn't uncommon for us to, even once my family, my big family got to you, got to, uh, Charlotte, you know, you and Margie and, uh, Julia, you know, you you had us over pretty frequently. And um, I even remember, I think it was like uh, Christmas Eve or New Year's, the one year, and you had the crab trees over as well. Um, what uh, I, I don't think that hospitality is something we really talk about enough. And I think it's a really important gifting that the Lord has given to some people uh, and that we all should be exercising. Um, and I don't even know that it's something most people think about because it's just kind of the Christian thing to do, I think, in our culture. But um, could you just talk to me a little bit about your your understanding of hospitality biblically, and like what prompts sure. you to be that way?
1: So sure, absolutely. Well, well, to begin with, let's let's you know clarify a little bit, and and that is that it's my wife, Margie, is the is the one truly with the with the gift of hospitality. Sure. Um. You know, I I'm I'm. I go along with it because because we're married. So she invites someone. You know, they they come to the house. I, I'm here, so uh, so I'm hospitable. But I'm hospitable almost almost secondarily. She she's truly the the catalyst for it. Uh, but it, it it is important as an elder um, as pastors. Um, to be hospitable it's in it's in the qualifications uh both in titus and and, and as well as in first timothy it, it says that that we are to be hospitable um and so um, you know that's that's an important factor that uh, all pastors should be that type of person um that is is willing to open their homes and and have people in and to to care for them and to uh um, to get to know them and, and then to be able to, uh, to better minister to them. Um, and so, um, so yes, um, it's, it's an important thing. Uh, is it, is it talked about enough in the church? I don't know. Um, I, uh, probably not, but I think at our church um, it, it's in the forefront. Um, Cause not just myself, but uh, um, our, our, uh, Senior teaching, uh, preaching pastor uh, Steve McLong, and, uh, and and um, our other pastor Jim Jim Newhiser uh, are are hospitable. They do invite people to their homes, uh, um, or if they don't go invite them to their homes, they'll you know invite them out to lunch or or something to to get to know them, especially new people that come into the church. We try to do that, um, and then as a group. Uh, we've even talked and are beginning a um, we're in the process. we started this process before uh, COVID hit, but COVID, you know put, gave us a little bit of a pushback. Um, we were one of the churches that stayed open most of the time. We were only closed for a couple of months uh, where we did the uh, the online thing. Uh, but then we reopened fairly quickly. Um, but it's been, there's been a hiccup there and that it's taken some time. But what we're working on is we're working on a welcoming team uh, to invite people, uh, a team of people um, who would, you know, when visitors come would invite visitors to, to their home for lunch or, or for dinner during the week or whatever. Um, so it's, it's an important thing. I think it's something that, that we do do at Living Faith. I think it's something that, that, Churches should do uh, regularly. You know, the Scripture teaches us that. Uh, um, what is it? Hebrews thirteen tells us that. You know, be hospitable because you don't know when you're 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 inviting an angel into your home, and and right. I believe that. I truly, truly do believe that. You know, it's. Uh, you know, we've talked about. You know, when when the person comes into the to the church and the one person's dressed up nicely and the other person comes in in shorts and sandals, you know, do you t- treat them the same way? And, and and I believe that we do. And I believe that uh, it's important that the church as a whole universal church, you know, does. Um, so, yeah, hospitality is something that I believe uh, the elders need to um, need to um uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for to, to cultivate. That's the word I'm looking for. Is cultivate? Yeah. 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 And, um, and as I said, my wife Margie is the one that, that truly has the gift. And in your case, you know, you were, you were a guy alone without family. And, and we've always um, made it a point to, uh, to find those types of people um, and invite them uh, intentionally. We do it intentionally. Um, our, you know, we, every year at Christmas time on Christmas Eve, we always invite somebody from the church and, and usually it's someone who does not have family. That's not, doesn't have somewhere to go. We try to do the same thing at Thanksgiving and we try to do it, you know, at times during the year, as I said, uh, COVID was a little hiccup where, where there wasn't a lot of that going on, but, but we're back to it. You know, the church as a whole is back to it, which is, uh, which is good. And I believe that we're called to do it. Um, what is it that, uh, um, that uh, uh, Christ said when he, when he talked about coming back? If you, if you go back to the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and he tells us about his return, he then gives us application in, uh, in uh, chapter 25 of Matthew. And he gives us the application of, of what we are supposed to do um, you know, during that period of time while we're waiting. And, and one of the things we're to do is to care for each other. Um, and you do that, you know, through uh, hospitality. Um, and then he tells us later in that chapter, in chapter 25, after he, after he explains to us what we're supposed to do while we're waiting for him to return, he then it gives us a, a showing of what happens when he does return and people are, are cast away because they didn't feed him or they didn't give him water. And, and their response is, well, wait a minute you know, when did I do that? And he says, when you did it to the least of these. And what right. he's referring to is each other. We, we need to care for each other. Um, so, so hospitality should be something that is um, automatic um, in, a, in a true believing church. Um, it's something that the elders need to cultivate and, and need to work at. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm extremely blessed because I have a wife that is very hospitable. So if I didn't want to invite somebody, they're going to get invited anyhow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And, and, you know, it's a good point because like, uh, my wife has really, you know, for at least five years, we've been married for nine. Um, just, just hit our ninth anniversary the other day. But, um, yeah, my wife really has been the one for like the last five years, I think to kind of point out, Hey, There's this person, you know, he's Mm kind of like what you were when you were in Charlotte, you know, go love that person, go, go be the hands of Christ for that person. And, um, you know, I think it's such a wonderful blessing, uh, you know, to be married to, to a person, to a woman who, you know, has that focus. And and maybe it's just, you know, the male female thing that they think more in those terms. And maybe we don't, but um, yeah, uh, you know, having a godly wife who's encouraging you, you know, to hospitality, to, you know, reaching out to people who may be hurting or, you know, that you may not think about is is a huge blessing. Um, You talked about um, being an elder, a lay elder in the church. And uh, again, I've gotten to see you live as a lay elder. And, you know, we went to the same small group. I spent quite a bit of time with you. Um, You know, I was in your Sunday school um, class, like, I spent more time with you than any other elder at the church and um, I really appreciate, I mean, you're very, uh, I love you very much, Joe. You're, you're like the serious elder, the, uh, the very, <laughs> the, the most serious elder at the church, which is a good thing. Uh, you need that. And I think that you love people well through it. And, and I think that people see that and appreciate you. Um, but one of the things, you know, and I, I think you worked more than 40 hours a week as well when when you were in the throes of insurance, um, you know. And for me, as somebody who's aspiring to potentially the call of an elder uh, at some point in my wa- in my life, um, you know, I look forward and I'm like, how do I, you know, balance being a father and a husband and a student and, and you know a, a church member on top of uh, you know having a job and potentially you know hoping to serve as an elder at some point. I just wanted to take the, the last 15, 20, 25, however many minutes we go um, talking about what you think, like, what do you think is, what would you tell a guy in my position? Cause there may be other guys listening that are similar where they want to pursue that, but they, uh, they have a secular career. They can't, you know, just do full-time school. What would you say to that guy as an encouragement and as a warning, I suppose, a healthy warning
1: Wow. Well, uh, yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's a matter of seasons of life. I truly believe this. You know, I'm looking back um, on many seasons. You know, from from where I am today, um, and and over those times, um, there have been uh, peaks and valleys in 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 ministry. There have been peaks and valleys in family life. they have been uh, you know, the one thing that stayed steady, I guess, was, was, was uh, the secular workplace. You know, that, that never seemed to, to go away because, unfortunately, uh, uh, money is, is what is used um, in, in, in our economy. Um, you know, it's not the, not the same as, as in the old days or if you were a farmer or if you were uh, a tradesman of some sort. But, but we tend to work 40 hours a week, you know, and, and that doesn't change but the other things do change. Um, And what you have to realize is you have to take or or accept uh, where you are. And, you know, the scripture tells us to be content in all things. Um, And we do need to do that. We need to take the seasons of life that we're in and realize that certain seasons of life need um, more attention to certain parts of our lives. Um, But at the same time, we, we need to be, have proper priorities. I'll talk about that in a minute, but but first I'll finish up, I guess, on, on the seasons idea. So if you're a young man with, with many kids, uh, like in your position, um, then you've got to realize that this particular season of life is going to take more family time than another season of life. As you get older or as your children grow, if you've, you've given them the uh, the foundations, and you, you've done your devotionals daily, and they pray, and they, and and they know they come to know the Lord. Um, then it's easier as they get older to shorten the amount of time that 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 you have uh, to do the things that you do uh, with them, because because it's simply easier when they're young. They need attention, you know, twenty four seven, so to speak, um, at certain ages. So the season of life that you're in. Nick would be a a season that you have to realize that you have to understand that your family's going to take up a certain amount of time and therefore you're going to have less time for the church or less time for, uh, for outside ministry or whatever the case may be. Um, And, and I think that that's half the battle, maybe more than half is that understanding because what will happen is when you're in a season like that and you're not doing maybe you're not doing your TNR's, you know, work, or you're not, you know, doing what you wanted to do with the church, because you're limited in time, so you're doing a little bit less, it's easy to get down on yourself, it's easy to get discouraged, it's easy to take a look at it and say, well, I, I really felt the Lord wanted me to be doing this, and there's just not time for it, is, is it, you know, what's going on, am I am I incapable, am I, you know, don't, I don't have enough faith, you know, you 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 you. Put guilt upon yourself under those situations. So the important thing is to understand that in certain seasons, certain things are going to take more precedent than in other seasons. Um, and when you realize that, then the, then the guilt goes away. The second thing is, and we're free, we shouldn't have the guilt, but we, but we put it upon ourselves. The second thing you have to do is as a lay elder, you have to learn the word no. Um, it's extremely important. Um, because otherwise if every time something is needed to be done at church, uh, if they come to you and you don't know how to say, no, you're going to be doing too much there. You're going to get overloaded there. And some of these other things that may have needed attention in this particular season of life that you were in, um, will be affected. Um, and that's not glorifying to the Lord. What's glorifying to the Lord. And now I'll get into my priority pitch. What's glorifying to the Lord is to have proper priorities. And your proper priorities is to always have God first. Now, what do I mean by that? That doesn't mean running to church every day. Okay. Having God first means spending personal time with God, um, having your quiet time, doing your reading, studying the scriptures, uh, praying. The, there needs to be a time that you do that alone. That, that's, that's, extremely important whether you're an elder or not an elder it's more important as an elder but it's important just as a as a Christian man or woman um, you need to have that personal time with God so so that's the first priority okay so th- that should never be affected by the season of life you, you should always be in the scriptures you should always um, be praying you should always be be learning more about God. Now, sometimes in a season of life, that may change when you do that. For example, you may have to get up early in the morning to get it accomplished in, in your season of life because of the fact that, you know, once the kids wake up, you know, then then there's, you know, all these other things to do. Whereas as you get older or the kids get older, that that time may come right after dinner where you where you can go off and be alone you know so so depending on the season of life that may shift where it's done but it still needs to be priority one um and 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 that's that's most important um priority two is the family your family and, and people forget that people we are as sinners um as as people of flesh Uh, the one thing we tend to do is push down upon our own families and, and expect them to understand. So, you know, I've got this church thing I have to do. You, I can't go to the ball game, you know, for, for little Johnny or whatever the case may be. Um, That's a mistake. Family has to be uh, the second priority, especially as the family grows. In other words, from, from your season of life to my season of life, from the time when the children are young They they need that nurturing. They need that that attention. And then, as I said, as as it grows and as as you get older and as you come towards my season of life, where they're you know grown and 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 gone. There's there's you know more texting and less talking, uh, you know, because uh, they're wherever or doing whatever. Um, So it it changes. Okay, but the family needs to be the the second priority, then the third and fourth priority we can we can jumble a little bit and again that that depends on season of life, um, and that's work and church. Um, you know you have to work because you have to make money to provide for your family so so that takes some priority, um, and then the church is is especially if you're a, a lay elder you want to give as much attention and as much time as you can for the care of the flock and for teaching or preaching if you get the chance or whatever the case may be, but that too may change With different seasons, where sometimes you, you know, uh, for example, if I was a tax consultant, if I was a CPA or something, then obviously from, you know, January to April, you know, during the 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 heavy tax season, I'd be doing more work and less and less uh, church stuff. And then when the tax season slowed down during the summers and into the fall, I would be able to do more for the church, and because I'd be doing less activity for, for work. So those sometimes fluctuate back and forth, but that's gotta be the priorities. God has to be first uh, on a personal level. Your family needs to be second because if you don't do those two things, you're not glorifying God. You've gotta do the first one, which glorifies God. And the second one is, 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 is very important to God. And so you have to do that. And then the third thing is, is, is the work of the church. Uh, and I think too often we move that church piece and we put it in priority one, and we think that that's doing our God thing. Uh, it's not. It's not. Um, even full-time pastors um, need to have their personal time first and their family second uh, before they before they, they then do the church. And so, what you do, what 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 do I do as a, as a lay elder, you know, facing this kind of situation? Um, well, you you learn to say no, and you learn to delegate and you'll learn to pray a lot. And that's what you do. You pray for those things that need to get done. You pray that the Lord would lift up lay people to help and to do them, that the congregation would be involved. You know, you you read some of the books, and they talk about congregations, you know, that what is it, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Well, the way to change that is by praying about it, uh, praying the Lord would lift up people, and then knowing your people, And knowing their particular gifts, and that's so important. Um, As you know the gifts of people, then you can get them to do the things that they're gifted at. And whenever you have somebody doing something that they're gifted at, they do it wholeheartedly, they do it tirelessly, and they persevere through it. Because it's something that they're gifted in doing, and God has, is behind that, and God is, is doing that through his grace and through his mercy. Whereas when we put people in situations where, well, hey, you know, we need a nursery worker, we've got no choice, so we take any old buddy, and they're no good in the nursery, that's not glorifying to God, and that doesn't help. And that has people burn out and then not want to do anything else volunteer-wise. Um, and it screws up all all the all the priorities, and it screws up all the seasons of life, and people get discouraged. Um, yeah. Well,
0: you're hitting you're hitting so much of like so much of what you're saying. I appreciate, and I don't think we talk about it enough. And I don't, and I'm sure that some of my perspective is shaped off of you know sitting under so much of your teaching for for years. And maybe I don't appreciate maybe I didn't appreciate that until this conversation. But you know, I've always I, I've always tried to look at it. Is priority thing because you know obviously our our walk with Christ is first like do we really believe you know the scriptures when when it says you know you make known to me the path of life and your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore psalm 16 11 like are we really living in the reality that like God is our delight and he is our he is our greatest joy like are we really in communion with God in that way are we in the word are we in prayer and are we living moment by moment in dependence on him then after that for men like us like we're providers for the family god has given us a family and you know if you if you're um, less familiar with the old testament i think you're going to miss a lot of this stuff but like in the old testament you see the way that god has called men to lead in their homes and you see you know the children with the church during worship and you you see all these things that if you're not as familiar with the old testament you, you know you you may not understand the imperatives as a father and as a leader in the home in that way. And, and, you know, completely agree. And then, you know, between, between work and church, depending on the season, I, you know, everything you're saying is resonating. Um, And, and I really love Joe how you focused in on gifting. You know, when, when I look at Exodus and I see how the Lord gave certain people certain skills for a certain task you know he said this person's Mm going to do this this person's going to do this we think of spiritual gifts I think so much as like you know the New Testament passages that talk about spiritual gifting but we need to understand that like the sound guys are given that ability from God like God has made them who they are he's blessed them with that ability and yeah it might not be a you know a formal spiritual gift in the way we talk about the spiritual gifts in the New Testament but all of our ability all of our competencies come from God and our gift from him and should be used for his glory. And we shouldn't stick somebody who hates kids with kids and we right. shouldn't stick somebody who, you know, doesn't do well with old people, with old people. It's just, it, and I love what you said that people, if you give them something that they're gifted in, that they're passionate about that God has put in them, you know, they'll, they'll tirelessly work at it. And, uh, you know, I, I love that. And I think that, um, I think that living faith does that so well. Uh, and, and, um, and I think that all the things you're saying with the priorities, uh, particularly, uh, you know, are being lived out by all the elders there. And I, and I think by the families too, from when, when I was there, I, you see that, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, um, so yeah, thanks so much. That was really, really encouraging for my soul and, uh, well, good. Really a blessing. Yeah. Uh, Joey, we, we got, uh, any final thoughts here for the podcast today? Any, um,
1: anything you want to say to the listeners? Well, I guess I, I, I you know, I, would be amiss if I didn't, you know, um, speak for a moment and, uh, on the gospel. And, uh, even though, uh, you know, there may be, um, only Christians that listen to this. Uh, I don't know, but you never know when, when a non-Christian would, would, would listen into, to, uh, to, to a Christian podcast. Um, but I think that it's important to, to understand the gospel, um, you know, as simple as it is, uh, uh as Paul tells us in, in first Corinthians 15, three and four, that it's, you know, that Christ died for our sins and, uh, was buried. And on the third day he rose again, it's, it, it it's that simple. Uh, but it's also so complex, uh, that, that we can, we can dig into the gospel, you know, for all our lives, and never, and never come to a, a complete understanding of, of, God's graciousness and His mercy. It's, it's, it's just, uh, it's it, it's it's a well without a without a bottom, um, you know. That we were in such, uh, such a condition, you know, that we are disobedient, that we are sinners, that we cannot possibly. Uh, attain the the standard that God has for us which is perfection and holiness Um, and we cannot get there uh, on our own we can't get there by wishing it we can't get there by working on it we can't get there in any way Um, but God in his in his graciousness before all time began got together and and agreed on a plan to rescue some and uh, uh, and that's just such a blessing Uh, for us uh, who know it and understand it because he has has given us that revelation um, that it's the work of his son um, going to the cross uh, being the sacrifice that perfect sacrifice and then rising again uh, you know from the dead on the third day and and ascending into heaven where he rules and uh, uh, and we that are are his that he is uh, uh, called from before time began uh um, we are, uh, are adopted into his family, uh, which is top priority and, and that we are heirs, uh, uh, with his son. And, and, and it's just because of God's, uh, mercy and his graciousness and his loving. And it's, it's, it's just something that, uh, that if you don't know him, um, uh, you know, my prayer is that you would, that you would uh, hear the gospel and you would repent, uh, so I, I guess I, I would be in this if I didn't speak to that. So, so I, I thank you for that opportunity um, to do that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as far as, 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 I mean, we've covered quite, quite a bit of stuff uh, in this conversation, but I think that uh, um, the most important things uh, are to put God first and to live a life that way. Um, and I think that's what sometimes we don't do. Um, I think that, uh, that oftentimes what happens um, is we, we talk the talk, but we don't necessarily walk the walk. Um, the, the wonderful thing is, it, you know, you go to Ephesians uh, uh, 2, eight, 9, and it tells us that it's by faith, and, and this is a gift of God, so no man can boast and all. But everybody leaves out verse 10, and verse 10 tells us that, uh, that God has prepared good works for us, and all we are to do is walk in them yeah um, so you know when when we all stand before christ at the at the judgment seat uh, we are going to hear uh, well done good and faithful servant and the reason we're going to hear that is because not only is our salvation all of god but our sanctification is all of god and our glorification is all of god and amen and to, yeah. and to him be the glory that's great stuff joe thank you so much for that
0: that was a great way to way to end out the podcast here So um, if you guys, again, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, this is Joe Sloviacek with, uh, he's a pastor of Living Faith Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, He is the founder of Truth Reform Ministries. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a education, um, very passionate about education.
1: And uh, I hope that this episode was a blessing to you. Well, it was a blessing to me. I appreciated the time and uh, it was great talking with you again. And uh, uh, God bless you and the family. And uh, if there's anything else I can do, you let me know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Joe. And uh, you all have a great rest of your day.